excited to bring you this segment on Real Presence Live. It's called Straight Talk, and it's your opportunity to share your questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. When you hear the sound effect, please call 877-795-0122, or you can send your questions or comments to us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. And and you just heard the sound effect. Oh. <laughs> so Oops. call in right away. And we're, we're, we're very blessed today to have with us Father Kyle Metzger, who is really smart. <laughs> and he's prepared to answer on any topic whatsoever that you might have. When I was in seventh grade, when Father used to come to the classroom, we used to call it Stump the Priest. And so that's kind of my nickname for this segment of the program. So if you've got those tough questions about the Catholic faith or anything that's going on in the world, call us in at 877-795-0122. And like I said earlier, if Father can't handle it, my wife Doreen would be more than happy to step in. And you know, can I sing Can I sing Doreen's praises? Oh, no, not again. <laughs> every, everything that I know, I learned from Doreen. She was my seventh grade English teacher. You remember those days? I do. I was a little rascally, know-it-all, <laughs> no, seventh grade you. twerk. You know, and so uh, so I was taught well by the Catholic schools. And he was a matchmaker. <laughs> oh, the stories we That's could tell. The stories we could tell. That we won't. When we'll you're in it. seventh grade, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, move people into their vocation. That's right. You know, from, from the from, beginning. From 12 years old, I was trying to move people into their vocation. That's right. Okay. You had an eye. Well, well, if we don't get a lot of calls, maybe we will have time to tell some of them. That would be dangerous. No, that would be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So uh, again, but I do want to ask Father if he still knows how to diagram a sentence. I can diagram <laughs> sentences awesome. better than most, Doreen. I have not lost that. I have not uh, lost that skill. It's a great skill. Yes. <laughs> we want to hear from you, though, listeners. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's so uh, um, you know it, this is our local opportunity for listeners from throughout our listening area to visit with our priests and. Uh, Ask questions that they otherwise might not uh, ask in uh, conversation with just their friends and neighbors. Uh, uh, you know, Father's ready to go. This is yeah. a safe place. It's just the three of us, okay. right? It's just yep. a call in, mm-hmm. just the three of us. I have a question for you. Okay. As vocations director, what's it like to be at the Collar Classic? I mean, you, you know, do you feel like you need to support your brother priests? Or yeah. do you feel like you need to support... The seminarians that you're encouraging. It's like a conflict of interest, isn't yes. it? So, like, yes. so I just remain quiet. I, I just, I just remain quiet. <laughs> okay. Well, let's remain quiet now because we've got Bobby on the phone from Fargo with. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of us here. So keep going, Father. How do you? How do you maintain your neutrality? Yeah. You know, the Collar Classic Front. If our listeners who are unfamiliar with it, this is a, a basketball game we have over the Christmas season every year here in the Diocese of Fargo between the priests and the seminarians, and it is it is quite the intense game. We we hold it uh, at the local Catholic high school, and we get um, we get several hundred people, fans who come out because it is uh, it is quite an intense game. And so you know, 
as vocation director, I'm, I'm rooting for the seminarians. You know, these are these are these are my guys. These are uh, uh, the men I'm helping uh, uh, form into priests. But you know, as a priest myself, I you know I feel like I want to root for my my brother priest too. So so what I do is I just root for the lack of injuries. Root for the lack of injuries. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a really fatherly thing to yeah, do, Father. Because we have had some rather significant injuries, jammed fingers. We had a broken collarbone one year. You know, when you get these priests out there, you know, who are 50 years old and they think they're 25, you know, mm-hmm. they they do not hold back during yeah. the games. I remember that game. It was an intense game. And yeah. There was, yeah, it was pretty physical. I've started asking the uh, the athletic trainer for the, the high school boys basketball team to be on site at the game. And he has, he has gratefully agreed to be there. And we used him at the game a couple of weeks ago. We had a priest who went down to his knees and everything was fine, but the trainer kind of swooped in and, and made sure everything was fine. Very good. Yeah, well, it's, it's good he was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're still uh, waiting for someone to call in. Uh, that number is 877 795 You know, last week, uh, Jack and Doreen... Um, I was out in Phoenix for the Focus Conference. Oh, Are you familiar with the, yes. with the Focus organization? Yes, I had the blessing of being able to attend SLSC uh, when it was in Chicago a couple in of Chicago. years ago. Yeah, Focus stands for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. This is a, a national organization started maybe 25 years ago that does um, um, work with campus ministry. It sends, you know, three, four um, uh, uh, university graduates back to campus to kind of um, uh, uh, foster uh, devotion and faith in the university students. Every year they have a big conference. Um, this year is held out in Phoenix. There were 8,000 university students there. Doesn't that, what did that do? I can tell you what it did to my soul when yeah. I was surrounded by those students. But last, what was the impact? Last year was my first conference. Oh. And last they kind of do an every other year yeah. thing. And so last year was the larger conference. Um, 18,000 university students. There's hope. Oh my goodness. It is absolutely thrilling, you know, to see the life of the church, the future of the church. These are the future priests. These are the future marriages. It is absolutely thrilling and it just it enlivens your 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 faith and you see the devotion in, in these young college students that really is authentic. It's very deep. It's very mature. And so, you know, sometimes if, if we're not, you know, we're kind of isolated in, in our Catholic circles, we sometimes can get maybe a pessimistic view and say, you know, there's there's not a lot of people out there. Man, you come the the the, the current gen, kind of the millennials and the next generation on the university campus. There's there's a lot of activity. I'm I'm rather encouraged for the next you know twenty thirty years of the church. I would suspect that that event is swarming with vocation directors from all over the I U.S. I know. I'm, I'm wondering I know. what kind of giveaways do you bring you, with you? You got to you be kind of subtle because you don't want to be be too obvious about why you're there but yes there there's a lot of fruitful potential in in these university mm-hmm. students okay we have bobby on the phone and she has a question bobby from fargo go ahead i um i doreen was my rcia director and and she did a great job with me but i have such a short memory so i'm calling about a question for uh, i have a question about you know um how Friday, every Friday is the day of penance, but I'm wondering during the, the 
this celebration time of Christmas, um, are we still required to abstain, like, or or fast or something on Fridays, or are we? Is it every day a celebration during this Christmas season? That's a great, great question, Bobby. So, Doreen was your, your ICI teacher. She's my seventh grade teacher. Doreen, <laughs> Doreen, you know, you're, you're just, awesome. you're evangelizing, you know, the, the whole church. Bobby, great <laughs> question. Great question. Friday is a, is a day of, uh, of penance. Um, prior to the Second Vatican Council, it was a mandatory uh, uh, abst- uh, day of abstinence from meat. After the council, they have made that optional. However, it's still a day of fasting in some regard. So if you are going to consume meat on a Friday, you are to do something additional. Many people aren't aware of that. And so I give up meat. I just retain that. I give up meat on Fridays as well. But if you if you don't you're not required to, but you're supposed to do something in place of that. Now as your question is driving at sometimes that um that day of, uh, of abstaining is relaxed, and that happens on uh, uh, fi- on solemnities, on solemnities, okay. because you know, kind of taking from uh, the Lord's uh, the Lord's words, um, you don't. Uh, um, how does it go? You do not fast when the bridegroom is present. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so the bridegroom, these great celebratory days, so solemnities. Christmas is a solemnity. So if uh, the 25th of December were to fall on a Friday, that's a day of solemnity. So that's a day of feasting, not fasting. And so you are free to eat meat on those days. Now, the whole season is not a solemnity. So during the other days, like for example, today, we're still in the Christmas season. We're at, I think, the 18th day of Christmas. We don't just have 12 anymore. Now we're at the 18th day or 17th, something like that. Okay. You, uh, you, you would be required to, to, uh, 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 to practice some sort of penance on today. And if you choose okay. to abstain from meat, then that would apply today. The one caveat to that, which I, I don't have the precision on, would be the octave of of, of Christmas, you know, you start on okay. the, the, the 25th and really the day of Christmas continues for eight days. We call it the octave. We have the octave of Christmas. We have the octave of Easter. Prior to the Second Vatican Council, we had the octave of Pentecost. We don't have that anymore. But whether the whole octave would, uh, would be a day of feasting, I would be inclined to say yes. Do you know, Doreen? I do not know, but no. I treat it as though it is. <laughs> I, do, I do too. I do too. But uh, I don't want to I don't want to provide I don't know if faulty I information. Know. Yeah, yeah. Ignorance is with. No. There's, there's your validation, <laughs> listeners. Sorry. So for me, I do celebrate the octave as one big solemnity. It's all the day of Christmas. Sure. But but I, I don't want to to uh, to mislead the our listeners that that might not be um, technically accurate. So you might want to look into that a little bit more. Uh, ask your parish priest who may have greater clarity on that. But uh, but that day of Friday of, of, of abstaining, of feasting rather than fasting, happens on any solemnities. There have been a couple of other exceptions to that when I was in uh, the, uh, living in the, in the city of St. Paul, which has an enormous Irish population. A St. Patrick's Day fell on a Friday, <laughs> and so the the, the faithful uh, petitioned the Archbishop if that could be relaxed, and they could have what is what is that Irish meat? 
Uh, oh, corned beef? Corned beef. They wanted to have corned beef on the Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the, the archbishop did grant that dispensation, but that's something unusual that would need to be granted by the, by the authority of the church. Okay, Bobby, okay. I, hope, I hope that answers your question. That does. Thank you so oh. much, Jack. Okay, great. <laughs> thanks well, we, for calling, Bobby. Yeah, thanks for calling, Bobby. We have another caller on the line, Paulette from Duluth. Paulette, yes. are, are, you, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, and uh, my question, can you hear me? I can hear you. You're on the air. Uh, all right, thank you. Um, my question is that I have read uh, something called the Baptism of the Unborn. And I was wondering if you could ex- explain what that would be, the Baptism of the Unborn. Okay, you're, you're the, for, for our listeners, the, the call was a little bit uh, uh, fuzzy. fuzzy, so the question was, uh, the, there's a phrase called the baptism of the unborn, and you'd like an explanation of that. Paulette, would you, be, would you be able to tell me in what context you heard that term, the baptism of the unborn? Uh, yes, I read it in a book by, that was a, on a lady that uh, prays for the poor souls in purgatory. And she talked about those children who are aborted, sure. and that one of the ways that we can get them to heaven is through the baptism of the unborn. Yeah. Um, thank you for your question, Paulette. I'll be honest, that, that term is somewhat new to me. I, I'm not familiar with that. I'd be curious to see if it's in the catechism. I don't, I, I don't believe it is. Um, but, but I'll speak to kind of the, the, the question that, uh, uh, the, the broader question that you're driving at is, is those babies who um, die before the opportunity of baptism. That could be um, victims of abortion. It could be... Uh, uh, um, um, stillbirths, uh, um, um, and and that can be very uh, kind of challenging for for mothers and fathers whose babies die before the opportunity of, of baptism. Oftentimes, with this sort of question, it, it moves into the question of what is oftentimes called limbo. Limbo is, yep. is, is not a, a teaching of the church. It's not in the catechism. It never has been. It's been kind of a holdover. Um, it, 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 was, it was a theological kind of um, theory, possibility, that was put forth decades ago with this question of what of those babies who die. And so theologians are like, well, if, if baptism is necessary for, for salvation, what of those babies who don't, uh, don't have that opportunity? So what if there's a place like limbo where uh, 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 somebody would be in a perfect state of happiness, but they're not able to behold the face of the Lord? And we'll call that limbo. Pope Emeritus Benedict took up the question and he says that it, it's it's not uh, it's not a robust theology and 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 Pope uh, Benedict said uh, we should really kind of abandon that theory so so limbo is an, is an archaic term it's not used anymore it's not in the catechism it never has been um, the the most compelling explanation I've had I've heard uh, for those for 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 babies who die in this in this category was put forward by who was it? Uh, maybe Saint Bonaventure in the Middle Ages, where he talked about God will supply for what man is unable to. God will supply for what man is unable to. There's kind of a theological uh, principle: God does not command the impossible. If there's something that we're unable to do, God does not hold us to that. And so to baptize a baby in your utero would not be possible. 
And so, um, and so God will supply, after that baby has died, maybe uh, uh, the opportunity for baptism. So kind of like an angelic thing where the angels are presented with one opportunity to choose God. He would present that, 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 that unborn child with the opportunity to, to faithfully serve him and, to, and then to behold the beatific vision. Again, these are, these are theological possibilities. There's nothing that's been determined. But the church certainly holds open the opportunity for those children to behold, uh, uh, to behold the, the, the face of God. Does that give some clarity to what your question is driving at? Yes, it does. Thank you, Father. There's um there's one other uh, thing that I'll point out to you again 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 a, a theological possibility that the church is not. Uh, confirmed, nor has it condemned, is uh, you might be familiar with Dante, Dante's Divine Comedy, a very, very compelling um, kind of vision of the afterlife. This is not dogmatic. This is a work of fiction, but it's it's lasted the tenth uh, the test of time, 800 years old, and people just find it a very compelling vision of the afterlife that prevents these images. In the third part, the Paradiso, when Dante goes to to heaven. Um, um, and he beholds all of the, the hosts of angels and saints all surrounding God. He kind of envisions it as a flower with Christ at the center and all the, the choirs of angels and saints surrounding him. Um, he puts um, unborn children who died before baptism um, in the nearest circle right before God. Now again, this is a work of fiction. This is not a dogmatic of the, of the church's theology. But in Dante's vision that these children never sinned. They never sinned. Now they didn't have the, the opportunity to choose God specifically in their life, but they're free from sin. And so Dante places them right around the inner circles uh, around God, which I, I just find very beautiful, very consoling. And the church has never uh, uh, condemned that vision, that that is a theological possibility. That that is available, and I think that I I find that very um, very a very compelling vision of the afterlife. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I have a, a granddaughter that was born stillborn, and we did have uh, they did not weren't able to baptize her because she was already dead, but um, the priest did give her I believe it was some kind of a blessing or dedication. And then they did have a, a funeral mass for her. Sure. Sure, and and the church provides um, uh, funeral rites for children in those uh, in those scenarios. That uh, in the prayers there are prayers for for adults who passed away. There are uh, prayers for children, and there are also uh, who, children who died after baptism. And there are also prayers for um, uh, for those who have passed away before the opportunity for baptism. You might kind of say a baptism of desire. We generally apply that to to RCIA catechumens that they haven't uh, actually been baptized but there's this this impetus to baptism um, that I think could uh, maybe uh, be extrapolated towards you know children in this uh, in this uh, scenario as well I believe the catechism really encourages us in this topic that to entrust them to the mercy of God that God is mercy and and that we can entrust our beloved children to his mercy absolutely Absolutely. Right. And 
<clears throat> Excuse me. There are also other sources that you can uh, go to, uh, very good Catholic sources on some of these questions as well. Uh, I know uh, Priest for Life is, is one, and also Catholic Answers. Um, you know, they have their program uh, every, every day on uh, Real Presence Radio from, uh, I think it's four until six o'clock i'm not exactly five sure that, five to seven but uh, they also have a website and they have a, a question and answer area where they've got uh, hundreds if not thousands of questions that have been asked and answered and it, it's a good place uh, it's to very go. reliable too they have very very good experts on uh, on issues that uh, that that is a reliable a reliable site right and we're we we've got uh, the phone lines are open so uh, uh, we certainly encourage you to call in your questions right now 877-795-0122 call in now while we have father kyle metzger here to to answer whatever it is you've got and uh while we're waiting for a call father um was there any particular speaker from the seat conference that um that you were really touched by or someone that is kind of new on the the scene in Catholic apologetics? Um, There were, on the last day, there were... um there were two lay people who spoke. I'm going to forget the name of the first gentleman. Uh, worked in the business field. And then the second uh, presenter, her name is, uh, was it Helen or Ellen Alvarez? She's actually coming to the Diocese of Fargo she, for the coming. Women's she Conference. Is, yeah. she's, uh, she's, uh, she's, she's in the legal field. She teaches uh, in the Washington, D.C. metro at one of the universities there. Both of them very, very compelling speakers. And this was the last day. So the last day's focus is always like, now you're going home. Now you're going home. So what are you going to do about all the fervor, all the, the energy, the spiritual depth that you've acquired over the last couple of days? Now what are you going to do when you go home? And so as, as lay people, they spoke very beautifully about how your faith is lived in the world. And if you kind of create this little like Catholic bubble with you and you only kind of have Catholic friends and you only kind of practice your faith in, in, these, in these insular Catholic um, circles, you've really missed the gospel mm-hmm. actually go therefore make disciples of all nations and so so they talked about how they who are working in the business field in the legal field which is fraught with landmines mm-hmm. when you try to practice your faith in that how they were able to vibrantly be catholic in the midst of their their secular professions both of very intelligent very eloquent um, were a great kind of concluding message for uh, um, for the college students about like uh, your faith is not in a bubble it's not just stuck in the Newman Center even but you take what you have here and then you go out like keep in mind the the apostles were kind of like formed for three years at the feet of Jesus Christ but then spend the rest of their lives traveling to the ends of the known world at that time uh, giving of their lives to people, converting people, and so uh, uh, so those two presenters, uh, uh, Dr. Alvarez, and then the gentleman as well, whose name I'm escaping, I, I thought were uh, were a great sending sending message. That is a great sending message. It makes me think of when our daughter was in high school, we provided her with what was called an outward bound experience. So this group of kids goes out into the woods. Um, it was it was um, the Boundary Waters. And they have to spend three nights surviving. And then the parents come back at the end of this month when they've been out in the woods. And we always thought, 
It was called Outward Bound because you were sent out in the woods, but no, no, no. <laughs> outward Bound happens at the end of the experience when you go back into the world and use those skills. And so it's kind of like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, in the spiritual, in our spiritual lives, which aren't divorced from our regular lives, it's our life. Yeah. But um, that we aren't, we aren't Catholic to remain in the bubble of the church. We're Catholic to go out. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you've heard the expression that something is too good not to share. Right. And I think that's kind of what this, the new evangelization, the idea is the good news mm-hmm. is too good not to share. Yeah. And we are kind of compelled or called as Christians, Catholics, to do that. Yeah. Stated somewhat more provocatively and forcefully, um, how much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel with them. Whoa. Right? <laughs> yeah, that, ouch, that really ouch, cuts ouch. to the heart of it. How much do you have to hate somebody to withhold the gospel from them? You know, we think it's polite. You know, you don't talk about religion in public. Don't bring it into the workplace. Mm-hmm. It's going to create a little tension. You really hate somebody so much that you don't want to share what the most important thing in, in you cow. know. If you if you if somebody was dying of AIDS and you had the virus, you had the the, the antidote, mm-hmm. um, the vaccine. How much would you have to hate them to withhold that vaccine from them? Oh, father, that is so powerful. So so it's, <laughs> yeah, okay. so, so so that's kind of the 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 the, the thing with, with the the focus kind of has a couple of of pillars. One is like friendship. You got to form friendships with other people. But then the other thing is you. Uh, the the second part is then that should compel you outward. That should you should share what uh, uh, what you've have. And so that's why they want to leave with this message that. Now, your responsibility, uh, like the apostles, is now to go make disciples of people. So you can't, you can't just sit on, on what, you, what you know. There's the, uh, there's the very, very commonly misinterpreted words of uh, St. Francis, preach the gospel always, use words if necessary. People love to use that. He never said it. He never, no. I, yeah, he never yeah, said it. Right. He never said it. And it's used as a crutch to not evangelize. Exactly. You know, I'm just going to be good and I'm going to be holy and I'm going to go to mass and, and that's going to speak to people. And there's, a, there's truth to that. It's not a lie, but it's an inadequate, like, uh, first of all, St. Francis never said that. Um, but secondly, it's used as a crutch to not take Jesus' words, go therefore make disciples of all nations. So, um, so you, you have a faith, you have a piety, you have a devotion to the Lord. That should compel you to want to give that to other people, not to just like be nice and holy and in your little Catholic bubble. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, how awesome is it that we have Catholic radio, mm-hmm. which, you right. know, which is spreading it through the airwaves and reaching many, many people. Right. You know, it's a great way to evangelize and to, by supporting Catholic radio. Mm-hmm. It's a great first step, you know, yes. because it's comfortable. You mm-hmm. know, you're kind of in, in your, uh, but, but then, like, what can you even do with what you've heard on, like, today's mm-hmm. radio program? So, like, if you have friends come over for coffee or you've got people at the workplace, you know, and you can say, hey, you know, I heard on the radio this. Have you ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. You know, it can be very non-confrontational, kind of an, an open door where, um, but, but what you've heard, if it kind of enlivens you or interests you mm-hmm. or, now, what do you, how are you going to pass that on? Exactly. Like, you can't keep yeah. that to yourself. Like, yeah. the Lord just does not want you yeah. to do that. Um, well, I think, I think when, uh, another thing people should remember, though, too, is evangelizing, I think, can be very subtle. Yes. You know, you're planting seeds to a great mm-hmm. extent, you know, so mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to see someone, you know, you know, kind of have the uh, the Perry Mason kind of, right. uh, you know, confession and conversion at the yeah. end, of, you know. But, but you uh, might. You might, you yeah. Might. But mm-hmm. it, it's, it's something where... 
you're not necessarily going to see the results. Yeah. And start with your friends. You know, it doesn't have to be the stranger. You're not shouting on a street corner. Start with your friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, exactly. So, okay. Well, we've got a, a hard break coming up in about 30 seconds. And so I guess we'll, we'll close down the phone lines and we'll thank everyone for who called in or who wrote in with your questions. And a reminder, this segment is on at 930 Central Time every Monday through Friday.